0: plushcare.com slash loss
1: Hello You're listening to BFN This is the podcast about infertility, IVF and the trials of trying for a baby. I'm Gabby And I'm Emma and we are both card-carrying members of the Infidelity Club Hope everyone's well? Yeah. On this fine it's supposed to be hot today. Oh, how delightful for us. Not that I'm obsessing about the weather at the moment. Because it's not nice today in the past when mm, we're recording this. No. Let me tell you that for sure. But this, this happy Tuesday it's supposed to be hot. Oh well I look forward to it. Yes. <laughs> um <laughs> Um Yeah. Today's episode is going to be quite fun. I think. It's I. It's just a nice change, isn't it, from the bollocks we not bollocks, but the <laughs> it's a nice change from the quite serious topics we often discuss. Well, it's serious, but in a different way. Yeah, because we are talking about our fairy friends. Indeed. Um, we've got Kate Spicer, who is a journalist, filmmaker, author just yeah all-round clever brilliant woman yes and she's written a book called lost dog a love story yep and it's fucking brilliant it's really great I literally read it in about two days well I was kind I was upset because we kind of had to read it in a few days well four days I yeah. had um because we wanted to get it read before the interview uh-huh. but as I was reading it I was like I want I don't want to read this so quickly I would rather savour <laughs> it so um yeah it was it's I couldn't recommend it enough, basically. Yeah, definitely going at it. Um she, I mean you might have seen her on she's basically been everywhere recently, the last few weeks. Mm. Um so Including our living room. Including our living room. Your living room. Yeah. Um and yeah, we just had a really nice chat about like <sighs> animals and pets and infertility and how those two things often mix mm-hmm, yeah and and we also we talked about that column that was in the guardian a few was it a few weeks ago a few months ago about um the fur babies about fur babies and how silly millennial women don't can't be bothered to have kids go so get pets instead
0: yeah.
1: and um and a lot of people were very upset about that indeed rightly so yeah um yeah it was just a really nice chat actually and um wolfie the dog was here oh, celebrity made me very happy it was like meeting yeah. a celebrity having read yeah. the book it was like oh my god we've actually do you know what they've just gone and we've just let nora out of my bedroom and into the living room and she's now rolling on the carpet where wolfie was just <laughs> sniffing the hell out of the place trying to put her smell back. what is this new smell <laughs> <laughs> It's really funny. Yeah. Um. um yeah. Yeah. But, so I think you'll all enjoy that. Yeah. I mean, it's for me, it's like a big topic because we got Nora after my first round of IVF failed. Yeah. And as I was telling you guys earlier, like I just sat on the. I remember sitting on the sofa and feeling like my arms were empty, and I needed something small and squiggly mm-hmm. to go in them. And so we went to get Nora, and she just scratches you whenever you put her mm-hmm. in your yeah. arms. But, I mean, she's small and squiggly. She is small and squiggly but also a bitch. Yeah, she's a big bitch. Um But we love her. We love her. Um yeah, and of course I've got two cats who I adore. Yeah, and who are very pretty as well. They are. And nice. They are nice. Not as mean as Nora. <laughs> Not quite as mean as Nora, yeah. but Nora's special. She is she's we were talking about this earlier. She's a special cat. She's definitely a special cat. Um and yeah, so other than that. We've we've got a grave apology to make. I do have to make a very serious apology. Yeah. Uh, Quieten down for a minute and we'll tell you what's happened. Should I I put some serious music over this person? (laughs) Um, On last week's podcast, we mistakenly referred to Lisa Hendricks and Jack as an American. Oh God. And she is a Canadian. Yes. It's like the worst sin. Yeah, I mean, it's it really is um, not that being American is bad it's just that confusing people's nationality oh, people fucking hate it don't they yeah which is fair enough yeah Um. so apologies to Lisa yes. and apologies to you listeners for feeding you lies <laughs> fake news in fact fake news on VFM yeah yeah Apologies. <laughs> Um, and other than that, we're talking to Professor Tim. We are speaking to Professor Tim Child, Medical Director at Oxford Fertility. And we're talking about... Ibuprofen. Or ibuprofen. Ibuprofen. as he How calls it. How do you do yours? Um, yes, and whether it should be avoided in when you're TTC. Yeah. When you're IVF. Yeah. And probably when you're pregnant too. Yeah. Um, which is a good question. That's a good question. Yeah. And other than that, um, please rate and review us. Wherever you get your podcasts. Wherever you get your Mostly iTunes. Yeah. Please. Especially iTunes. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, sorry, Apple Podcasts, mate. That's what ah, we're calling it now. iTunes, of thing God. of the past. Come on, Gabby. God, you're so 2003. I know it's disgusting. Um, and you can follow us on Instagram. At BigFatNegative. On Facebook. Uh, BigFatNegative. On Twitter. At BigFatNegative. Uh, and you can email us. Big Fat Negative podcast at gmail.com. And Gabs has been Gabs has been doing loads of social media recently. You've taken over our social media. Have I? Yeah. Oh, I thought I was being a bit lax. No, you've been great. Wow. I, I went on to do it the other day, and it was there it all was. Wow. Well, yeah. there you go. Yeah. So if you hear a funner voice on our social media, <laughs> oh, <Lol. laughs> because Gabs is all over that. Oh dear. Yes, I can but try. <laughs> Please enjoy the show. Thanks, Emma. I don't i said wonderful before. It's yes. wonderful, truly it's it's so really wonderful. Do you know what else is wonderful? What? Wolfie's here too. Wolfie is here. He's wonderful lying on the Wolfie. floor, yeah. having little pants. we will hear all about him in a minute. Yeah. When you have your baby, yeah, you'll be saying things like
2: wonderful all the time because you won't be able to say 4 little words like fucking cunt. <laughs> yeah. um, that's a wonderfully that's a real awful situation. <laughs> you'll be like, you'll, you'll you'll look down at this little <laughs> tiny person, you'll be like, gosh, you're a naughty little chap. <laughs> You really want
1: to go? You little fucking bugger. I wonder at what point you have to stop swearing. Like, is there an age? Not for a defined a while. age at which the swearing has to stop. Is it when they start repeating it?
2: My um, so my nieces and nephews live in New York, and before they went away to live in New York, I spent a lot of time with them. Mm-hmm. I'd I was kind of you know emergency childcare. I'd go and stay with them for days. They come and live with me for days. And I never really swore in front of them. I occasionally did, and it was really exciting. And everybody was like, "Well, <laughs> adults do do swears every now and again." But then, since they've been living abroad for two years, when I see them, I just can't stop swearing because I've lost the habit <laughs> of being yeah, around yeah, yeah. children. Forgotten. And my filter's gone. I've lost that consciousness of of their sensitive young minds. And they're that little bit older. And actually, the older ones just roll their eyeballs and just go, mm, "Of course, adults swear." <laughs> Uh, the little one repeats it. And then my brother <laughs> and sister-in-law uh, are just appalled. And, I mean, appalled. they oh devastated.
1: Gosh. I don't know what I'm going to do. It's going to be tough. About five years ago, my mum looked at me sadly and went, I would have thought you would have grown out of that by now. <gasps> and I vowed to stop swearing and it didn't work. Oh, well,
2: we're all just growing into the C word now, aren't we? Oh, yeah, I used it today. Really I'm comfy with that yeah. one. Yeah, everybody yeah. uses it. And then you go to America and you practically have to go to prison if you say it. <laughs> it's really shocking, especially when an English lady says it. Oh, goodness me. A barren spinster like me. <laughs> <laughs> this is an IVF podcast, isn't it? Yeah, yes, it is, yeah. I just want to make people feel better about things. <laughs> I, haven't, I'm not, I don't have kids, so,
1: yeah. But you do have Wolfie. And um, we usually start, kick off the podcast by asking people to tell us about their journey. Um, so what is your journey to to like Wolfydom? To dog ownership? Because i have written do... a book about it.
2: Yeah, I've written a book called Lost Dog, A Love Story, which is a book in two parts. And the first half is about how getting a dog saved me. And thank you for that, Wolfie. <laughs> and the second part is about when my dog went missing and I had to go back out into the world and to parts of London I didn't know or particularly want to go to. And I had to save my dog right back. Um, so it's a book in two parts. Me saving him then him saving me. No, other way around. <laughs> um, but it's about a lot more than just me falling in love with my dog. its I mean, I got him in my mid-40s. Yeah. Um, I was a bit directionless because... Uh, as I say in my book, I think if you're a certain type of girl living in London, mm. woman, sorry, uh, and you know don't have kids, like the partying never stops. Yeah, that's just like wh- when's it going to end? Mm-hmm. And um, I call pregnancy a partyectomy. <laughs> um, and most of my friends have had multiple partyectomies. Yeah, right. Yes. Um, a few of them have just had one, uh, but yeah, most of them have had kids, and I hadn't. And before I got Wolfie, my life was sort of drifting back into this kind of weird late forties, twenty-something behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because all my girlfriends had just disappeared into into child rearing. Uh, f- sort of emotionally and physically, they weren't around. And even when they were, they weren't really present because they were so yeah. absorbed yeah. by their children. Yeah. So. Uh, which I'm sure you're very familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, so fun I found ties. myself I found myself hanging... Did you say fun times? Yeah. Yeah. It's not fun. <laughs> it's so really great. boring. Somebody <laughs>
1: presents you with a baby and goes, hold this, and you're like... Mm. That's well, actually no, you're trying
2: quite to... nice. The worst thing is when they hold it like that and they kind of... I write about this in my book, and they kind of fold over it as if you're going to give it rabies or something. <laughs> it's like they're kind of a kangaroo and they want to put it in their pocket. It's like, it's what, right,
1: I'm not going to bite. Uh, I might <laughs> drop it, but I'm not going to bite. Or is that just me? yeah. Uh, Oh, no, I don't think I've ever dropped a baby. I've, I've never actually dropped a baby, but I've definitely gone. <laughs> no.
2: <laughs> just to make the mum look scared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, because I never had a party up to me, aka pregnancy, uh, I I found myself hanging out with more men. Mm-hmm. And men just never really grow up, do they? No, of course. And Why they? I was drifting more and more into the life of a really party adult bachelor with some really, mini- and I was actually going down quite a bad route. And then I got back from a party one day, and I just said to my boyfriend, "We've got to get a dog." And I'd always, I'd always wanted a dog, mm-hmm. but I've, my family always said, "Oh, you can't. You know, dogs and London don't mix. It's cruel." well, since I got a dog, I can tell you dogs love London because mm. um, London dog owners are much more caring and much more nurturing about going out for walks they don't just turf them out in the garden yeah. and there's loads of dogs around for them to sniff their bums
1: which um, is heaven for a dog So <laughs> many smells, right? Mega <laughs> smells It's like a big smell city it Smells
2: everywhere it's, Yeah, it's a city of smells
1: <laughs> not a city of lights, it's a city
2: of smells That's probably Delhi actually isn't yeah. It? Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> Yeah, so roughly there we are. I mean, yeah. that's that's roughly the story. Okay, ramblingly told.
1: And <laughs> um, and and then just kind of you know talking because in the book you kind of make yourself you put yourself out there a lot. You make yourself quite kind of vulnerable, and when Wolfie goes missing, your kind of description of what's going on in your head is very uh, clear. Mm. Is that very honest? Vivid. So honest. Um, so what what happened then? Like, what tell us very briefly when about the hunt? Missing. Yeah.
2: So, in the second half of the book, where Wolfie runs away from my brother, which is why I swear in front of his children all the time <laughs> to, punish him, to punish him to punish him. My boyfriend and I had gone to a party, and he—I don't think he enjoyed being at my brother's very much, and my brother wasn't paying enough attention to him. <laughs> uh, and my it was Halloween, and my niece opened the door to what she thought was a trick-or-treater, but it was actually a DPS delivery guy.
1: Oh, cool. God, that's the worst. And the dog shot out. Oh, and he's a lurcher as well, so he can run and,
2: very fast. Um, to cut a long story short, there is other detail in before in between. Lurchers can run very fast, and he just shot off down um, Tufnell Park Road at 30 miles an hour, overtaking the traffic. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, and disappeared into that particular pocket of North London. And... When you, I mean, I'm presuming anyone listening to this podcast knows what emotional trauma feels like. Mm-hmm. And when you are in the stages of kind of really physical, gripping, griping grief, mm-hmm. it's it's madness really, isn't it? It's it's an altered mind state. It's like being on a drug, yeah. a particularly horrible one. And you, I was just so desperate to get him back. I'm obsessed. I had to get him back. So when I wasn't kind of madly tweeting and having to go to work, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, I just went out on the street and looked for him and mm. asked people. And asked. And I, initially you start asking people in your own image. Mm. You just go up to other middle mm. class people with dogs. And then I was like, no, this isn't how you do it. You've got to ask everybody. Yeah. So then I sort of forcing myself to go up to people who made me feel uncomfortable, who were yeah. different. Uh, who I perhaps didn't normally notice. So it was a really deep dive into London, the Lon- the population of London, which, as we know, is super diverse.
1: Yeah, and the fact that people are dicks and troll you when you've got a missing most, dog.
2: Most people, when Wolfie went missing for some time, a uh, number of days, were pretty nice. Mm. The worst, I, re- I the worst response I got most of the time was indifference. Yeah. But there were, yeah, there was, on on Twitter, there was some right dicks, yeah.
1: Jeremy Clarkson's followers seemed to be... Not, well, no, because Jeremy, <laughs> Jeremy retweeted it. Okay.
2: And because of that, a lot of people, it got, it got in front of a lot of people. So given that it was re- my initial tweet about the dog being missing was retweeted 11,000 times, the fact that I had a few phone calls from people telling me that he was in a kebab or they'd just seen his body on the M60 or something... I mean, it was it was a very small proportion, mm, and yeah. you know you got to roll with you've got to roll with those those punches. Yeah, people yeah. are dicks, but Hard they were they it. were largely not dicks.
1: Okay, well that's good. Yeah, yeah. That's they were largely change. amazing. Good. Um, so one of the reasons I wanted to have this chat is because there was a column in a certain super woke newspaper. There was a few. I don't know if you read it a few weeks ago that basically talked about um people who have fur babies and. That, I think that's the phrase she used, and pets, and how like women replace um their kids with pets because it's easier, so they like get pets I saw that of she was kids.
2: quite. She wasn't a very good writer, was she? For, she was... That, I would. Have, I was quite disappointed that she didn't present her argument more so, in a more sophisticated way.
1: Mm. It caused a stir in the infertility community. Right. Um. Why? Because a lot of people were like, "I've got a cat because I can't have a baby," and I've. I mean, that's that's what I did. She kind of referenced like the, the childless woman in the kitchen yeah. type thing, who's got you know. She just bet- us all very. Her point was millennials are too lazy to have kids, so they she get like tired a <laughs> But she's got a kid, so she doesn't understand. Yeah. That mindset that you know. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, what was your response to that? Did you find that a bit? So. It seemed simplistic. I to tr- me. I wish
2: you'd, I wish you told me we were going to discuss this because I would have refreshed my memory, but I remember seeing the kind of Twitter storm that followed it mm. um, and as you often do with Twitter, sort of retweeting and responding before you have even read the piece yeah, yeah. Yeah. and then I read it, and I just thought, God, this is really quite a poor piece of writing, yeah. and it's, it's quite malevolent, and it's almost it's almost not good enough for the mail um, <laughs> So yeah. therefore, let's put it in opinion is free in The Guardian. It, was, it um, just
1: felt weird. It felt like there weird was something
2: quite scene. nasty about it because she was being nasty about people that have pets. Yeah. And she was being kind of nasty about childless women. Mm. Those are two sort of people I, I wouldn't generally think we should pick on. Let's pick on, you know, right-wing Nazis and things like that. I oh, yeah. um, <laughs> Anyway, anyway, I digress. So when my book came out, a couple of newspapers, The Telegraph and The Mail Online... Headlines stories about me in the book, mm-hmm. saying that you know, Wolfie was a surrogate dog, or no, he was not. He's not a surrogate dog. <laughs> a surrogate baby, yeah, uh, and things to that effect. And I actually was so distraught and upset by that. I hate the thought of a baby, of a dog being a, do- a baby substitute. Mm. I hate it. It makes me cringe. Yeah, but that makes me think. That, you know, be- think the lady does protest too much. I think there's something in it. I think you have this well of love in you that goes, it can only go somewhere unconditionally. It's not going to go to your husband or your boyfriend unless yeah. you're particularly sappy. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to go to your parents. It can, to an extent, go to nieces and nephews and maybe if you have nice godchildren, godchildren. But really, I th- I think it's for kids. I think it's for your children. And I think it's for pets. I yeah. think it's easy to discharge it. just this well of love. I think it's easy to discharge it onto pets, but that doesn't make them babies. No. So I think her point is so unsophisticated. And there are really annoying people who walk around with their ba- with their dogs in kind of little you know baby outfits. And <sighs> but dogs have always served us. They've yeah. always been there. Yeah. As our I mean, Peter called them, you know, Peter the People's for tre- ethical treatment of animals. Mm. They call pets uh, slaves. They they would see them as any other domesticated animal that so that gives us meat or whatever. That they are enslaved wow. to humans, yeah, because that's not the life that they would naturally lead. But dogs have never led a life that they would naturally lead. The minute they left the wolf pack mm-hmm. and migrated to around the fire with the, with with mankind, then they started to serve mankind in different ways. Yeah. And there's um, there's some, I, I really, really tried to research this as much as I could when, in my book, but I heard that some of the kind of what they call companion breeds, which are the ones that you can hold, yeah. the sort of toy toy breeds, were bred to have really big round eyes and little flat noses, yeah, I've so heard that they look like babies. And then they would give Oof. them, because they had these huge harems and... Um, and sort of imperial China these huge kind of you know I can't remember what they called the in Imperial China but all these concubines and yeah and they would get broody and they would give them these dogs mm. to sort of sate their broodiness again it slightly makes my stomach turn but equally it yes. makes sense and there was some something in the paper yesterday about how we if we feel down our pets will 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 pick up on our negative feelings. Yeah. Um, I mean they are receptacles for our suffering, and if we choose to love them like children, is that such a bad thing?
1: Mm. No, I don't think so. Like-
2: I don't think you should. I don't think you should humanize them to a point that you take all of their animal qualities away. I think that's cruel. But if you want to love your dog to to, to the nth degree, well, Lord Byron did
1: yeah I like the fact that in the book you you kind of make a point of that like you say he's not my baby and also and at the beginning you definitely have like rules like he's not going to sleep on my bed
2: well he does sleep on my bed and sometimes <laughs> sometimes I mean I can say this because it's only us two talking is it no one else is going to hear this yeah, no one else is <laughs> um sometimes so I, I sleep naked mostly and sometimes in the morning, he's sort of like sprawled across the bed. He's a long dog. You can see him. He's yeah, yeah. over he's a, well he's over laggy. a meter. Well over a meter he's long. He's a laggy blonde. Yeah. Um, I just drag him up the bed under the armpits and put him in my arms and then we just gaze at each other. Aww. Gaze at each other. And then occasionally I look down like, fuck, it looks like I'm breastfeeding my dog. <laughs> 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 but it's not, I'm not trying to, you know, but that's Aww. what happens with a mother and a baby is they yeah. gaze into each other's eyes and there's all that mud, oxytocin yeah. and the bonding. The chemical process of falling in love with your dog yeah. is not that different from the chemical process of falling in love with a baby or a cat or... Mm, that's fine. Yeah, oxytocin is, response is, yeah. it's the same chemical release hormonally.
1: I really loved that about the book is kind of you're almost surprised, like you're so taken aback by how much you grow to love this dog that you just like, you're like, what the fuck is this
2: normal? It's insane, yeah. I thought I thought I was mental. I, I still do worry that I'm mental, but then you meet, and I asked everybody, mm. and in the book I go up to this massive black guy, I mean, his colour of skin is irrelevant, but he's massive. He's got a neck. He looks like the Incredible Hulk from behind. He's wearing a tracksuit and he's got this little staffy. And I keep walking to the coffee shop behind him and I'm like, I wonder. I was like, but he doesn't love his dog. He looks much yeah. too hard and yeah. macho.
1: <laughs> He'd never admit to being
2: soppy. I just didn't think he was. <laughs> and then eventually, and eventually I started asking everyone how they felt about their dog like whoever whoever not not just women who look like me going oh do you know me now, i go up to sort of billionaires with smoking 200 quid cigars in yeah. in the parks walking their wife's kind of little malty poo or something and <laughs> anyway i go up to this massive guy who looks like a sort of professional weightlifter and i say, excuse me it's a dog in love with your life and he just went it's the only one and that was so reassuring <laughs> i was like that really tough looking bloke is totally, totally in love with his dog, then I'm okay. I think I'm, gonna, I think I'm yeah, okay. Yeah, I think we're all right. And there's so many people in history, incredible people, who are just completely pots of rags about their dogs. Mm. Virginia Woolf, yeah. Lord Byron, Elizabeth Barrett Browning, you know. They're in good company. Epic people. Yeah, I'm trying to think of some other ones, some other, perhaps more political and tough ones, but... We have a huge capacity to love our dogs.
1: The other day, my husband was gazing at the cat. and Our cat is not loving. She's a bitch. <laughs> That's cats for you. That's cats. And he said, I wonder if I'll love the baby as much as I love the cat. Oh, my God. My husband <laughs> says that all the time as well. It's awful, but he uses it as an because he's like, he's not sure how he's going to get on with the baby, but he uses the cats as a kind of like example. He's like, but I didn't think I'd like cats, and now I love the cats, <laughs> so it'll be the same with the baby. I'm like, oh, yeah, God. and it'll share your genetic material <laughs> yeah, if the cat doesn't. Exactly. I don't think, yeah, the cat likes taking his genetic material, you'll and have to clean up, up its shit like you do the cats. Yeah. That's that's fair, that's a comparison. But I, I did
2: a talk um last week, um. And there was a lady there. She was a French lady. Um, And we were talking about exactly this. And she she said she was frightened. She grew up frightened of dogs because she'd been attacked by an Alsatian. Mm -hmm. And then they had got a dog in her... Like when she was 50. And she said she couldn't believe how much she fell in love with the dog. And she's got three kids. Uh, And she said it's a different relationship. It's a better relationship. Because kids are quite mean to you they're quite separate from you mm. you certainly don't spend all i mean in the early years you do but they do grow up yeah um and eventually the goal of a kid is that it leaves home and it's extremely happy and healthy doing that unless you're still breastfeeding them at 18 <laughs> <laughs> in which case exactly, exactly you might need to up. get some help <laughs> um but a dog is there by your side he never stops loving you it's always Aww. there they're like a they're like a um they're like an extra limb, yeah. a really useful one. Yeah. One, yeah. one that sort of soothes your brow, and it's like a really useful adjunct to your, very, to your actual self.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, and the grief when they go, people say, oh. and I had a taste of that, is, yeah, is of not.
1: Well, one of the things that you say, you kind of repeat, I feel like it's a kind of repeated, a trope. A trope, yeah. 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 Um, all the way through the book is, you say stuff like, um, at one point, you tell yourself he's just a dog.
2: Oh yeah they're just, just a, it's a just a dog thing, yeah, because and, you're embarrassed by yeah. the fact, how much you love him <clears throat> and you keep, tr- keep trying keep to talk yourself down, and particularly when the dog went missing i was uh, my reaction was so extreme, I was completely mm. lost to it mm-hmm. um i went into sh- i went into shock i think uh because I was so frightened i didn't i didn't think he would come back um and- I'm pe- and it's like there was a little. I mean, I I don't know if you do, but I have a lot of problems with a lot of negative self-talk. And my inner voice, the inner critic, was just standing back. So I was grieving. I was insanely frightened for the dog. I wanted the dog back. All very sincere first-hand emotions. And then there's, like, the nasty version of me standing in the corner of the room with her arms folded going, it's just a dog, get over it. Right. What is wrong with you? So it was, it was sort of doubly, the pain yeah. was doubly compounded by the utter humiliation of my own inner critic.
1: Yeah. It really reminded me of, you know, when you're going through infertility and you're trying for a baby, trying for a baby every single month. Everything's, you know, um, it's, it's just the frustration of doing it again and again. And people go, just Relax. Just yeah, out. yeah. It'll, it'll just get happen. pissed. Just get yeah. pissed. Go Don't on holiday, <laughs> and you're just and you're there going. Why can't I relax? I can't relax. Why can't I relax?
2: Mm.
1: Why am I not relaxing? Yeah, and the it, more it just...
2: someone tells you to relax, the less you can. Yeah, and totally. that kind of
1: that lack of understanding from other people. So somebody told you to. You can get another dog. Mm. Um, that lack of understanding really reminded me of the kind of lack of understanding that I had gone through.
2: I mean, I was I did a, t- a talk last night at a, the bookshop near here mm-hmm. at and Rubenstein with Emily Dean who wrote, um, everyone died and then I got a dog. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's funny cause there were two friends of mine in the audience and they had both just lost their mothers and uh, obviously Emily lost her sister and her mother and her father. And I think the truth is when someone is in that insane, Emily calls it white heat of grief, mm-hmm. It, you're con- all consumed by it. You can think only of that thing, but it. But it's like the Damien Hirst um, sculptor, uh, the impossibility of death, in the mind of someone who's alive, in the mind of the living, or whatever it is. People can't. They they can't empathise. Yeah. They they don't. They just yeah. see a big human lump with two arms and two legs, and they don't. They can't f- feel what's inside you. Mm. So they say super insensitive things.
1: It's true did you did the experience of losing him and kind of you experience that grief? did you try and kind of build up defenses against that if it ever happens again, or are you kind of just losing like, the dog? Well, I know that this is going to be shit when it happens, so I'm just going to you mean losing the dog yeah or lose or lost generally as in the kind of yeah, just losing the dog, like the grief that you've kind of already gone through that process of what, grieving what you mean when him. he dies
2: yeah. Um, well, what I've planned to do is when he looks like he's dying, I'm going to get on a plane and go to Dignitas because I can't face living without him. Oh. That's a joke. Uh, it's not a very funny one. Um, <laughs> it's a bit funny. No, it is interesting. Yeah, it, I mean, it, is, it does prepare you for mm. absolute wrenching, hideousness of grief. But I bumped into a lady when I was looking for the dog um, and we were chatting about it and she said, Oh, when my dog died, it was worse than when my mother died. Wow. And the reason is, and this may have some, it, it must be very upsetting for people going through the hell of infertility and IVF to hear it compared to dog ownership. But when you lose, when you have a miscarriage, mm. or when mm-hmm. you lose an animal, you're losing something that's pretty much part of you. Mm. It's like it's literally inside you. But with a dog, it's always the dog mm-hmm. is always with you. So that there's a, there's a loss of. You're lo- you're losing something that you're so familiar with. So if you think about when your parents go... I mean, mm. listen, I haven't lost my parents yet. Touch wood. Mm. Um, I don't know what it feels like. I'm sure it's shit. But um, sometimes you don't see your parents for a while.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, my aunt died recently, and I, I, I miss her in flashes because I didn't see her that often. Mm. I loved her, but I didn't see her that often. Yeah. But when something that's inside you or with you all the time who feel you you have a kind of soulful connection with not a verbal one so it's not a verbal relationship with a dog it's it's just purely kind of love really um to lose them is is really viscerally really shocking yeah but I haven't had a lot of loss in my life and I do say that in the book I do say wow nothing bad I always you know I sort of Whitter on about my childhood. and I mean, everybody had a crap childhood, particularly if you grew up in the 70s and your parents were divorced. It was just completely normal that the divorce was crap and the kids were the last thing you thought about. Yeah. I mean, they don't. I don't think those sort of divorces happen anymore, certainly not in middle-class families. Um, I'm sure they do. So. Yeah, they probably do, actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah they do. Where, there's, where there's bad marriages, there's bad divorces. But, yeah. um, uh, but I sort of whitter on about, oh, you know, they fuck you up, your mum and dad, blah, blah, blah. And then I sort of realised actually nothing really nothing bad's really happened to me. I've had, I've not dealt with any loss. Yeah. I've not dealt with um so the dog running away, there's a point where I go, God, this is the worst thing that has ever happened to me, which is slightly pathetic when you think about what's actually going on in the world.
1: You know that that like that makes me sad when you say that. I I think, you know, again, it's one thing that I've learned going through infertility is that your grief and your sadness and your, you know, the crosses that you bear Are they may be different to somebody else's, but you like to to say that like other people have it worse is belittling your own experience? Yeah, no, and I and I totally get that, but I think it's there are certain
2: points in the news cycle when it's impossible not to relativise your grief. And it doesn't make the grief go away, but um some of the things that we saw in our papers when the dog when the dog went missing what what was happening at that time in Syria was just appalling yeah it was horrific and and it did kind of <laughs> it did put a bit of sh- throw a bit of shade over what mm. I was going through but it didn't make it any easier
1: well that's I, I think that's it and you know we talk to a lot of our listeners about this because mm. people are like well you know I I haven't had a Positive pregnancy test in five years of trying, mm. but my friends had three miscarriages, so she's got it worse.
0: Yeah, and then
1: um, or I've only been doing this for a year. People, yeah, you know, and you're yeah. like, well, no, you're so going I'm not through entitled. it. Like, yeah. So I, you know, obviously, a, a mother who's lost all her children is having a really bad time, and then being raped. by Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That I mean, that's awful. But that doesn't mean that what you're going through isn't awful. It no, means... no,
2: but it's still sometimes we forget how lucky we really are. Of course. But grief is grief. Grief is grief. That's it. But there is a kind of, there's, there. I remember my grandmother saying to me, I was upset about a breakup. I was in my twenties and I was upset about a breakup. And she just said, um, she says, you know, my, my fiance died in the war. And I was, I had to go straight out on the parade ground because obviously everybody was, everybody was enlisted, all the women and...
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Um, I had to go straight on the parade ground and I was marching around and crying my eyes out, but I had to get on with it. wasn't She wasn't giving any compassionate leave, nothing. She just had to get on with it and I think that that was kind of a bit more how you got how you dealt with things back in those days. You just got on with things and you didn't... you didn't honour your grief in the same way. Mm-hmm. Um... I'm not quite sure where I was going with that. I'm certainly not trying to wag a finger or anything, but I don't think you were allowed to visibly grieve yeah. for much mm. in the olden times.
1: But that's left us in a lot of fucked up old people.
2: Yeah. You think so? Yeah. Well, There's God. a lot of fucked up young people as well. Yeah, that is true. We're all fucked up.
1: Um... Well, lighten the tone a little bit. Yeah, let's lighten up. Um, because, one of the things that I found No, let's talk about
2: the Holocaust.
1: <laughs> <laughs> one of the things I found particularly fantastic and amusing was that you um when you first got Wolfie, you took paternity leave. Yeah. Which I think this should be mandatory. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. How did that go down with people?
2: Uh, well, at the time I was writing for Sunday Times Style quite a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, it went it got on the barometer. So, which is that kind of Excellent up and down work. thing.
1: Because
2: <laughs> it is quite funny. It's great. And if you don't have any children and you're very unlikely to ever get any, why not take a couple of weeks off so you exactly. can hang out with your dog?
1: Well, everyone else bloody does, right? When they well, probably babies come
2: along. Probably yeah, in a few years' time, we will be able to take pet earners. I think some companies do let it. you take a little bit of time off when yeah. you get a new pet.
1: Well, um, I mean, Wolfie looks incredibly well-adjusted. Like, he's a very chilled out dog. Yeah. yeah I think like, that was down to those two weeks that you took, actually. Yeah. Mm,
2: nice. I think he came to us <laughs> like that actually. I think if anything if anything we'd spoilt dogs are like children, you can definitely spoil them. And right. he came with perfect manners. And he's he's a bit spoiled now. Because you love you basically love bad behaviour into things that you really, really, really yeah. love. But actually discipline is a good thing.
1: Like coming up the stairs and jumping into bed with you.
2: Well, that's not naughty per se because we invited him and we're like a vampire once you've invited them in they have to stay. (laughs) But, um... No, more... A lot of stuff around food because we're constantly giving him little tidbits and things. He just thinks he can help himself to anything. So people are, like, sitting... People will be in a restaurant because they take him to restaurants a lot, and he'll just go up to some old buffer on his wife's table and just rest his nose on the table, <laughs> you're looking you're looking to see what's on their plate and what he can snaffle.
1: He is that perfect height as well. Isn't yeah, he? yeah he he does exactly table he's height. so mellow when he does it. <laughs> yeah. Nora does that. She gets fed off our plates all the time. Oh, really? It's yeah. terrible. Naughty. Can I say, not me doing it as much as some of the people. Oh, John, she's under his. Uh... He's under her, He's under claw? her spell. Yeah, <laughs> <Under> her <claw. laughs> fuzzy little claws. She's not even nice. That's the weird thing. Cats well, are nice. Men, that's men and women, isn't it? Yeah. Men
2: love nasty women. Okay.
1: That's true. <laughs> They're a mad bitch. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Don't say that. That's
1: really negative. He's literally covered in scratch marks all over <laughs> his hand. <laughs> um, okay. Well. Okay. Like, thank you so much for coming. Oh, that's okay. Um, our one last question is, you know, in your opinion, I I've always been a dog person, and then. I had to get a cat because I couldn't have a dog because I didn't have enough time for it. Mm. Do you think there are cat people and dog people?
2: Uh, I think on a very sophisticated level about this, I'll try and keep it okay. brief. No, that just... don't
1: keep it brief. Really going. This to is going to start. Uh, there is a um, kerfuffle.
2: There is a thirty-five thousand-strong Swedish uh, twin study. Oh. Uh, okay. Which She's is obviously research behind this. <laughs> which is obviously the uh, last word in genetic research, Absolutely. the twin study. Yeah, of yeah, yeah. And uh, they—it only came out quite recently. It's quite a famous twin study. It's from Uppsala University, and they say you can pretty accurately predict whether someone's going to get a dog or not no. by their genes. Really? So yeah, yeah, there are definitely dog people, but okay. then there's a subset of dog people. There's several subsets of dog people. If you don't mind me getting a little bit no, mathematical please here, do. please do. Please do. It's like nerd hour. Uh, <laughs> um, so, uh, you've got dog people, yeah. all genetically, um, yeah, built, for, programmed to be to be dog people.
1: Absolutely.
2: Then some of those dog people don't have dogs, but they long for one. They pine for one. Mm,
1: never some of them,
2: some of them are just dog people. They've just got a dog, mm-hmm. and then they become. Like no, so they yeah, sorry. So then you've got dog so you have people pining for a dog. Then you have dog just dog owners who just walk their dogs and like their dogs but don't make the dog their identity.
1: Okay.
2: Then you move into dog people. Oh. And dog people is roughly where I think I am. Okay. Where the dog becomes quite tightly woven with your identity. Mm-hmm. Um and you start wearing your dog walking clothes to meetings and thinking it's really cool. And then we've got the bottom of the pile, or maybe it's the top, I don't know. We've got doggy people. Uh, And they have, uh, they knit jumpers with their dog's face on it. Do
1: they wear those fleeces? Yeah, they have wolf fleeces.
2: They have uh, massive double life-size photographic portraits of their dogs over their fireplaces. And you... I. I would avoid being a doggy person at all costs. Yeah,
1: they're the they're dog breeders.
2: So that's an incredibly long answer to a very simple question. No, I do believe that, yes.
1: I really enjoyed that answer. Thank, thank you, you very much. much. <laughs> thank, thank you. you. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you so much for joining us. It's nice to talk about something nice. It is. Isn't it? Yeah. So you're normally talking about like PCOS or like... Well, it's definitely know. a yeah, change of pace for but us. But, you, you know, we are to, we've are we covered grief. To, group,
2: a few yeah. people do talk about... I have heard a few stories from from the horse's mouth about um, uh, people who get dogs as replacement for children and then some kind of oxytocin hormone release in loving, yeah. c- crazily loving the dog helps them get pregnant.
1: Brilliant. I mean, you
2: probably wouldn't replace it with IVF, but I have heard that. Well, we're looking to we'll
1: look into study. Yeah. yeah. yeah we'll Absolutely. see. There'll be hordes cool. of people... Off to the <laughs> yeah, off dogs. Get your single handedly. And
2: like. then when I did the thing with Emily Dean last night, she sat on stage the whole time just holding her little shih tzu called Ray, who Ray. is unbelievably cute. Yeah. And like a little round-eyed, tiny little nose. She just held him like that in her oh, arms the whole time. He is so sweet, that dog. Are you going to do the Walking the Dog podcast with her? Uh, well, we just we do a lot of stuff together. In fact, the next thing we're doing is we're doing latitude on, on the sort of hangover podcast. Um, yeah, hangover hour and Sunday Sorry. morning at Latitude, just awesome. batting things back and forward. Two barren spinsters <laughs> spinning yarns <laughs> about their dogs.
1: Uh, well, if anyone's going to Latitude, check that yeah, out. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, and where can we buy your book? Everywhere. You Amazon? can buy it
2: You can buy it in all good bookshops oh, and Amazon. So or you could get the audiobook oh. and hear me attempt a full range of uh, comedy accents. <laughs> Brilliant. Do you do a wolfy voice in it as well? Oh, yeah, because Wolfie talks like Ray Winston. <laughs> I really enjoyed this. It's been the best podcast I've done for sure. Oh, yeah, exactly. oh, thanks. Well. <laughs> thanks
3: for coming. Yeah, thanks Thank for coming. Thank you.
0: Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care.
1: IVF. What the f? What the f? Um, I like the way you turned your head away there, and then it just like faded in. (laughs) Sorry to the mind. Why I was distracted by what was going on outside. (laughs) It's okay. Nora's sitting there, like yeah, she's doing one of those little cat stretches, (laughs) yeah, arching the back. (laughs) Um, Yes, so we are, as always, talking to Professor Tim Child, medical director of Oxford Fertility. Indeed. Um, We are talking to him about ibuprofen. Ibuprofen. <laughs> he says Ibuprofen. Ibuprofen. Um, or Nurofen. Nurofen. To most people. Yeah, right? well, mate, if you want to spend, like, five quid, go ahead. I want to spend 25p, I'll take Ibuprofen, That's thank good you. That's a point, actually, yeah. Brand names, what are you? The queen? Other Ibuprofen products are available. <laughs> 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 um, I, so... <laughs> I was really obsessive about not taking painkillers all the way through the beginning of not during IVF at all mm. but through the beginning of my pregnancy mm. um, now I'm on loads of drugs well not that many drugs but heartburn drugs mm. um, but yeah I was definitely uh, I think I was caning the parrots eat them all as we like to call them in my household <laughs> the what? parrots eat them all <laughs> <laughs> Uh, to clarify, I was caning the paracetamol uh, during kind of around the egg collection a- area yeah. time because that, that can be pretty painful. It can be painful, can't it? It wasn't for me, but I do think that was because I was being quite vigilant and taking them kind of regularly. I was, Yeah, I think I was taking it quite a lot during that time. Um, but I took it during the beginning. Did I take it after transfer? I don't think I took it after transfer, but I definitely took it very, very early on in the pregnancy. mm well, they say paracetamol is fine. Yeah, um, but they do say to avoid ibuprofen. Yeah, right? yeah. So um, we asked why. Yeah, and Professor Tim said this.
4: Ibuprofen so, is from a class of drugs called um, non-steroidal, or NSAID. Um, and nonsteroidals as uh, a whole, yeah, so the, the whole class of um, analgesic or, or painkillers. Another class would be such, drugs such as paracetamol. Another type would be opiate type drugs such as um, codeine. So you need to be a bit careful with nonsteroidals. Um, in, for menstrual type pain, that's absolutely safe to take them then. But if you're taking, um, and Brufen's quite a strong one, if you're taking a strong dose of um, a monsteroidal around the time of ovulation, it can actually interfere with ovulation. And some centers actually use this drug to even delay the uh, natural LH um, ovulation surge that a woman might have. So you need to be careful with it around that um, time. some places will use uh, drugs such as Brufen or Voltarol uh, on the day of the egg collection for analgesia. But after that, you really should be avoiding it from um, when you're getting towards the embryo transfer uh, side of things. And in general, again, these drugs should be avoided during pregnancy. And it's safer really to use drugs such as um, paracetamol. Um, things like aspirin, obviously, is a much lower... Um, less, a lower strength than and so aspirin is quite often used in some clinics during an IGA cycle, and quite often it's used during pregnancy nowadays to uh, maybe even to try and reduce the rate of some complications such as pre
1: Cheers for that, Professor Tim. Hey. Uh how are you? I'm okay. Okay. I'm solidly okay. That sounds good. I am. Um... As we speak, three weeks and two days away from going on maternity leave. Oh my god. Not that I'm counting. No. I am tired, man. Yeah, I bet. I am so tired. I left work early today, just so that I could go home and have a nap. Yeah. And if my boss is listening, he knows that. I told him that. Don't you have a little nap room? Yeah, we do have a little nap room, but it was half past three, and if mm, I went down enough. to the nap room and then came back up, then I would just would sort have of been. I, d- I feel really bad, because, I feel like so the two times of day when I'm most needed at my work are right at the beginning and right at the end. Right, mm. those are the two busiest times when we're most short-staffed. Yeah, and those are the times that they rely on moi because I'm so great. Of course. Yeah. Um. Not not because of that. That's just how shifts work. Um. But I just, it's getting to the point where, like, the 10-hour working day is a killer. It's too long, mate. It's so, I just, I'm just exhausted. It's too long. I don't agree with it. Well, I just, I felt like, look, I, um, I have, like, had a lot of people who've, we've discussed this before, a lot of my friends, colleagues have had, you know, have babies while I've worked with them, and, uh, there's been a certain amount of, you know, the people who aren't having babies have to kind of make up for that slightly, right? mm mm-hmm. And I've always... I've never kind of complained about it because, you know, they're having a baby. But I feel bad that my colleagues have to make up for that. I just don't think you should feel bad. I just do. Like, I... you're doing what you can. I'm doing what I can. I'm just so tired. You've got to look after yourself. Yeah. That's what everyone says. Yeah, they do say and, that. And, you know, I'm sure people are more than happy to to pick up a tiny bit of slack here and there. <sighs> anyway, two of my NCT people have now had babies. Oh my God. Yep, yeah. One of them came at 35 weeks. That was a surprise. Early. Yeah. Wowzers. Um, which has just made me really impatient now. Yeah, how many weeks are you now? I'm 32. Okay. Nearly 33 by the time this goes out. Mm-hmm. Um i'm just really impatient i've never been a patient person infertility was really like it was like torture because i've just never been patient about anything and i remember when my brother when my mum told me when i was eight that she was pregnant with my brother and i remember being like oh man nine months is so long and just being really like i want to meet him now yeah um and then it's just really funny that um When I first got pregnant, I was really like, oh, I'm just going to enjoy this pregnancy. And now I'm just like, I want to meet it. Yeah, well, you're so close. It's kind of like when you're coming home from a night out and you're desperate for a week and you Mm -hmm. get to your doorstep and you almost pee your pants because you're like almost there and you have no self-control anymore. I'm like that. That happens to me all the time. It's just like, oh. I, I mean, all of this sounds like I'm having a massive moan, like i'm not i'm just excited i think no it's good i think that's what it is it's good that you're excited man yeah you haven't really let yourself get excited i'm excited do you know what i did this week pray tell i bought stuff for the baby bedroom shit off yes i'll show you in a minute but i bought a quilt so i went down to zara home they had a sale on i bought a quilt because we've like we've basically got rid of the double bed in there and got like a single bed that pulls out yeah Um, And I bought a really cute, it's like a grey quilt with like multicoloured stars on it. Oh, nice. And then that made me go insane. And I bought a cushion off the internet and a light off the internet. And um, uh, like a poster to go on the wall. Also off the internet. So I'm just waiting for those deliveries to come. Oh my God. And are you going to put them in the room? Yeah, they're going to go in the room, in the baby's room. And I'm just, like, just suddenly started... Is that nesting? I believe it is. Yeah? That's the technical term. i started nesting, but I've just started, like, wanting to turn it into a nice room for... That's really nice. And I'm glad that you're, you know, giving in to the urge. I haven't bought a cot yet. Okay, yeah, that's fine. Well, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah, but you're getting one of those basket things, aren't you? Well, we get... So one of my friends is giving me a Moses basket, and she's also giving me one of those side cots. Well, then you don't need a crib for a while. No, but not for ages. If only for aesthetic pleasure. Yeah. So anyway, that's. I mean, that's basically my week. Is just like me complaining about being impatient. <laughs> Sounds good. And then <laughs> and, um, and spending shitloads of money. And also, the best thing about it is I spent shitloads of like joint account money because I was uh-huh. like, this is well, a- this is both yours and John's baby. Yeah, so. exactly. And he didn't complain at me. Oh my god! I know. Revelation. Mhm. Well done. So, oh, and the other thing that I did this week, this is mental. I went and looked around a nursery school. Oh. Which was, I thought, gonna freak me out. Mm-hmm. Didn't at all. Is that something you need to be thinking about? Well, this is a very good point. When you're in the babies and you do... So, basically, loads of people, my mother, made, like said that other people put their kids' names down when they're, like, in their second trimester. Doesn't even have a name. How can they put the kids' name down? Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Anyway, um, obviously I'm, like, mortally afraid of jinxing things, but I just thought, you know, there's being afraid of jinxing things and then there's practical issues. Okay. So let's be practical. Right. And I was looking through nursery schools, or just nurseries, I don't know how we refer to them, and... um. One of them just said, like, we've got an open day. So I booked this open day and was like, I'm going to go. I'm going to go and look around it. I'm going to take John with me. John was like, can't, I'm working. I was like, okay, I'm, gonna I'm going to go by own. myself. Oh, God. Um, me someone, and the bump. Yeah, me and the bump. Went around, looked around it. It was really cute. It was, like, a little bit, like, shabby, but I thought that was quite sweet.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, and I think the the reason it didn't freak me out too much was because... I mean, they show you around the baby room, and then they show you around the like two to four year old room, and then they show you around the like five year old room. Okay. And it just all seems so kind of hypothetical, like it just seems so, like so far into the distant future. Yeah. They didn't freak me out because I was like, I'm I'm never gonna have a five year old, so I'm not mm. gonna worry about it. It's lols. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it was like, and and the woman who showed me around was basically like Miss Honey. She just reminded me of Miss Honey. She was just, like, really pretty and nice mm. and, like... Miss the, Honey from? From Matilda. Okay. Roald Dahl's Matilda. Mm-hmm, good, thanks um, for clarifying. Yeah. Um, she's just pretty and nice and, like... Yeah. The kind of person that I definitely would have had a crush on when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Um, and I just... Oh, I really liked it. So we're going to go and look around some others. But we'll see. Mm. And then there's, like, a whole range of childcare issues that we've got mostly stem from the fact that I have to be at my desk at 7am. But I'm not going to talk you through those because they're very boring. I'm sure you'll work it out, right? Yeah. You have to. Yeah. People have to. People have to. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was, I think, basically, a summary of my week is I have started giving myself permission to think about what happens once the baby is here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas, until recently, it's been, I'm pregnant mm-hmm. at the moment. Mm-hmm don't want to think about what happens afterwards right, yeah,
0: yeah. just in
1: case it doesn't happen but the closer it gets the more I feel like I have to kind of force myself to think about it well, definitely. and yeah. to accept it and uh-huh. to like be brave yeah and not freak out about it good and I think my mother has taken that very much to heart and just like gone to mother care and the white company and bought everything by the sounds of it wow she feels like she's got the uh, the old green flag yeah so that's cool go for your life yeah mama it's, bear it's gonna be one spoiled kid oh <laughs> um, but that's great good yeah i'm glad i can't wait so all in all i'm a, impatient now a positive week good yeah what about you I um yeah, I'm good. Um after the uh excitement of last week mm. uh which was it's kind of just stayed with me. It's just quite a hard thing to kind of forget about. It's just great. It's, it was it was very, very special. Seeing the fun. wiggles. Seeing the wiggles. Aww. Um and then so my mum and her two sisters were here for the weekend, mm-hmm. which is is rare because one is from Canada, one's from Cyprus, and my mum lives in Ireland. So it was like a reunion. That's cool. That's and, fun. Yeah, it was fun. It was really nice. I mean, a bit too much fun. They were kind of, it was kind of out for every meal, and <laughs> I was just really flagging by the end of it. But um, it was what it was. So they were obviously, they're all fucking ecstatic. And there was just a lot of chat about, What's going to happen when the baby comes, when they're all going to see the baby, mm-hmm. you know, what's it going to be like, what's it going to be called, blah, blah, blah. blah. And it was just like, at, you know, at first I was like, oh, this is quite nice. Oh, let's, you know, go with the conversation. I'm enjoying this. And then, and then at times I'd be like, oh my God, put the brakes on. I can't handle this. It's too much. Yeah. Like it's too soon. It's too soon. Oh God, what if it doesn't happen? Yeah. Um, so it was this is a really weird kind of like wanting to just let go. And to an extent, to be fair, completely just letting go. And I just thought, you know what? And I think I might have said this before, but I've just, I just came to the conclusion that like, if it goes wrong, it's going to be the shittest, most horrible thing that's ever happened to me. And the fact that I had a conversation with my aunties and my mum about what we were going to do when the baby came isn't going to make it any worse. I like that attitude. Or better. That's a great attitude. I was like, I may as well enjoy this moment with my family and get excited and talk about the future. And just embrace it. So I kind of did by the end of it. That's cool. It was nice. It feels good. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you can't stop the little voice. The little of voice course. at the back of your head. But like, you know, I managed to keep it quite quiet. Um, and kind of along the same theme a little bit, I bought myself my first maternity wear <gasps> today. Did you? Yeah. Where from? ASOS? No, Topshop. Topshop. Mm. What do you get? I got um, two pairs of jeans. White mum jeans. White mum jeans? Yes. Are you mental? I don't know what those are going to look like. You are going to get stuff on them. I don't care. Cool. And black skinny jeans. Cool. Both under the bump because it's summer. So yeah. I figure that's the way to yeah, go. Yeah, the over the bump ones are getting a bit... Oh, yeah? restricting now. I mean, I don't know how it works. I have never tried any of these things on. Mm-hmm. But my my only jeans that I've kind of been wearing are now getting too tight. So I'm kind of like, I think it's time. It's time it's time. Very exciting. I know, yeah. I I, I just, I I almost want, like, I've got a bit of a bump, definitely. But I just want it to get a bit bigger, because I, I, so that I can be like, well, I'm definitely pregnant. Yeah. This has happened. Yeah. You know, because at the moment it still could be like, oh, I've eaten too many pies. Yeah. And I've been living on toast for three months. (laughs) Um. So yeah, I'm, but yeah, I'm quite, quite excited about that, I guess. You're quite skinny as well, so it'll probably happen quicker for you, a bump. I'm not that skinny. You're well skinny, mate. I'm not that skinny. Um, mine took ages to come. Well, it's like, yeah, it's there, but it's also kind of, I don't know, yeah, I think it could still be misconstrued as... as pies. Pies. People will think that it's pies for a really long time, yeah, I Yeah, I don't really care what Until they think. can, like, be really sure that it's not pies. Yeah. I mean, fuck that, who cares, right? People kept telling me that I didn't look pregnant, and... And That's... they said it as a compliment, and I took it as a really offensive. That's such a funny thing, isn't it? I think, yeah. yeah, we've talked about this before as well, that, like, I used to say that to people as well. Because mm. you think you are paying them a compliment, but actually yeah. you're, you're telling them that they're not pregnant. Yeah. It's. I reckon it's fine if if it wasn't very hard to get pregnant and you've just stayed yeah, pregnant. Yeah, maybe, yeah. But um, if you're somebody who has taken a while to get pregnant or you have taken a while to you know carry a baby to the point where you look pregnant mm. much harder yeah, yeah yeah um but yeah i think that's uh that's quite exciting i finished my round of antibiotics that was for my non-existent <laughs> your phantom uti yeah my uci <laughs> that i never really had any symptoms for um so that's good that, yeah. that seems to have cleared up uh, great i guess and do you have to go back to the doctor and they'll check no i don't think so okay I don't think so, but I do. I've got an appointment in a couple of weeks. No, maybe in a week or so, and then I've got a midwife appointment again in three weeks. She'll probably do. She always does P tests, right? They always do P tests. So yeah, all very exciting, and yeah, kind of I suppose getting into the groove of it really now. I think this is the week of acceptance. Yeah, I think it might be. Yeah. Mine very much earlier than yours. (laughs) Yeah, we'll see well guys that's that's it for today yeah the episode is over I do hope you enjoyed the podcast yes um, we enjoyed making it didn't we we' so sure did had some lovely script scratches of wolfie oh yeah man so good Nora's super suspicious she doesn't she was shut in the bedroom she's got no idea what was going on but she is untraumatised. yeah she looks all right is absolutely fine Um, and so are we so are we and I hope you all are too yes and please have a really lovely week yeah love to you all and we'll see you next Tuesday oh there she is bye bye bye